0: Roll Tide, everybody, and welcome to Bama Talk. I'm Steve Sample, along with engineer-producer Mark Phillips at Airwave Recording Studio in Birmingham, Alabama, and the big buzz around here is about Bama being back on the practice field, getting ready for our third BCS National Championship game in the last four years. When the tide shows up in South Beach, it'll be the 60th time they've rolled into a bowl, which is a national record, and a victory over the Vatican's varmints would also extend the national bowl win record to 34. With a postseason history that started in the Rose Bowl in 1925, the Tides made 31 total appearances in the traditional Big Four Bowls, the Rose, Cotton, Sugar, and Orange, and Bama is still the only team in the country to have won all four of those games at least twice. Just a few of the diamonds on the dossier that document the Crimson Tide's preeminence in postseason appearances are other NCAA records, such as having 23 10-game-plus win streaks, 18 seasons with a 10-0 start, 31 10-win seasons, and 27 total conference championships, having tallied 23 in the SEC, and 4 more before that in the Southern Conference that preceded it. It's also apropos to let you know that as of 2012, the Tides completed 12 undefeated seasons, 10 of which were perfect seasons, so those are just some of the many reasons Bama's been on so many postseason stages down through the ages. Starting in the second year of his 25-year tenure, Coach Bryant took the Tide to 24 straight bowl games. Gene Stallings' Bama teams went to bowls in six out of his seven years, and Coach Saban's driving opponents to distraction because of Bama being an annual bowl season main attraction. The elevation of their desperation has reached the point where people are actually pinning their hopes on Cleveland firing their current general manager and hiring one who happens to know Saban, so he could presumably fire the Browns' current head. Coach and bring Nick back into the thick of that mess on the warm, sunny shores of Lake Michigan. They want to believe he'll leave the place where they've already erected a statue in his likeness, a place that his wife and family love, a place much further from the Arctic circle, and a place where football's never really out of season, a place where he can recruit coachable student-athletes instead of having to draft in the order the NFL constructs in such a way so as to create the parity that all but mandates mediocrity. But I guess it's understandable if your team's in disarray and your coaching situation's in a bad way. And after all those years of Bryant beating your brains out, you thought surely stalling stint would be the end of it. But now you look up and the Crimson Colossus is cranking out wins like nobody's business. And the future looks like there's lots more in store. So we can understand how folks that have watched their team take it on the chin would be all-in when the media manufactures a few morsels that feeds their need to ignore the red elephant in the room, and the press isn't going to pass on a chance to knock Nick because it sticks in their throat that readers are more interested in what he has to say than what writers think about what he says. Kind of reminds me of the time a little boy and his mom were walking through a cemetery one day when they came across a headstone that said, here lies a sports writer and a fair-minded man. So the little boy says, mommy, they're buried two people in there. So I guess it could happen. Maybe he'll decide living in a down park, a beach living down near Lake Burton, and maybe Miss Terry really would like to leave Titletown for the frozen tundra. Now, I like ice in my tea, but not on my driveway, but that's just me, so we'll just have to see. Now, in a similar vein, the NCAA Infractions and Enforcement Committees were heard to say recently that they were turning over a new leaf and would be working toward establishing reasonable guidelines that actually address the needs and best interests of student athletes and that there would be every effort made with regard to future sanctions to avoid penalizing innocent parties and reducing educational opportunities for prospective student athletes, especially those that had nothing to do with infractions committed by other people. Still more shocking was the statement that because among their primary functions are promoting higher education, rather than preventing it, and protecting the amateur status of intercollegiate athletics, that all NCAA employees and staff would henceforth work on a volunteer basis and that funds formerly used for their salaries would be redirected for use as athletic scholarships at member institutions. This would not only create a new and heretofore unseen consistency with their lofty ideals concerning amateurism, but it would eliminate at least some of the hypocritical excesses with regard to the allocation of the billions of dollars that are generated by the amateur student-athletes they purport to protect. In other stories of a similar nature, a fisherman in Scotland just caught the Loch Ness Monster with a cane pole and a cricket, Sasquatch has surrendered himself to authorities in Saskatchewan, and Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy will be making a future guest appearance on Bama Talk Show to announce the new NCAA guidelines we just discussed. But it's time to take our tongue out of our cheek because we want you to meet a real student athlete that not only competed at the highest collegiate level, he completed two college degrees while he was doing it. He signed with Bama in 07 and played through 2011, so he's seen how it works on the inside of an incredible five-year ride with the Crimson Tide. Brandon Gibson, it's
1: good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. How you doing? What are you doing these days? What you up to? I'm in medical device sales here in Birmingham. I uh, work for a company out of Gainesville, Florida called Exact Tech. We do a little uh, hip, knee, and shoulder replacements, so it's fun. It's fun.
0: Well, well, Birmingham's a good place to be in on that kind of business because it's really sort of the epicenter of all that with Dr. Lee Mack, Dr. Andrews, and all those kind of guys around here. How's that going for you so far?
1: Been doing about 10 months now, but I really, really enjoy it. Um, It's definitely a different learning curve, a different field as well. So uh, the one thing that you had to get used to, man, is just being in surgery. Uh, you know, you never can really get used to some of the things that go on in there, but uh, it's, it's 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 a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, they'd have to have uh, – I'd have to wear a blindfold for that. <laughs> hey, you know, you're an absolute model of what a true student athlete and a team player look like. Tell us about getting your degrees, two degrees, in just the five years you were on campus and how you managed your time and energy to get that done.
1: I think that is really important for uh, guys to understand that it's – a standard at Alabama to be a student athlete. You know, um, in order for you to play, you got to go out there and go to class. You got to get your grades. You got to write all the papers. You got to study. You got to get all the uh, exams done as well. But um, one thing that Coach Saban teaches us is, you know, you have to get up and do the things to to be successful. And uh, to play football, you have to get those uh, classes. You have to go get all those hours that you need to graduate. And um, he actually came up with peer group and leadership group as well, which I was a uh, part of both of those groups. And uh, basically that, you know, led guys to, to do the right things because they're being mentored by us, by their peers, not by the coaches. Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely demanding. Um, getting up early every day and uh, going to class and having to work out and then end up going to practice and then try to do more studying and, and more homework after that is definitely demanding but um, if you utilize your resources you know, at the University of Alabama you have no no excuse to, to not be successful.
0: Man you already sound like a recruiter. That's a, that's a great <laughs> answer. You know you redshirted in 07 yes, Saban's sir. first year. Alabama's always had players from the Mobile area but for a few years evidently we weren't working it as hard as it needed to be. How did the recruiting process change for the guys down there, including yourself, when Coach Saban and his staff took over?
1: Well, honestly, I'll, I'll say something <laughs> that uh, most people probably don't know, but us guys in Mobile, you know, they call us the recruiting heaven. And I think it's true. I mean, uh, well, you it's got along a, that I-10 corridor. Exactly, exactly. So uh, you got a couple guys guys that, that's come out of Mobile and in the Baldwin County area, like uh, me, Preston Dow, um, got Julio Jones and Robert Lester, Phelan Jones actually came out of Mobile as well, uh, B.J. Scott. um Marvin Shin, I mean, it's it's numerous guys. T.J. Yeldon from Daphne. Oh yeah, uh, it, it's a lot of guys down there. Um, I guess it's something in the water.
0: <laughs> it must be, and I, and I, I think I read somewhere just yesterday that BJ's uh, about to graduate from South Alabama. Yes,
1: he is. Yes, he is. He graduated so, on Saturday.
0: So if you bump into him, tell him we all said congratulations. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Number, number one, man. Yes, I sir. miss seeing him around. Yes, you know? sir. Great athlete. Yeah. When Coach Saban came in, he you know changed pretty much everything. Mm-hmm offense defense special teams off-season programs and it's pretty obvious he demanded a lot more from everybody than maybe the older guys might have been used to was it an adva- was it an advantage to redshirt for you that first year and have a year to kind of grow into it
1: yes i think so um you know most freshmen come in they really want to go ahead and get on the field like Anybody does, you know, I mean, that's a standard for everybody. But the thing for me is, you know, I took after guys like uh, DJ Hall, Matt Cadell, Keith Brown, uh, receivers that are already there. And I mean, I struggled a little bit with knowing that I was going to be redshirted. But once I understood that, you know, it was important to get that year under my belt to get better, get faster, get bigger, get stronger, you know. And uh, I think it really helped me out because it molded me to the person that I am right now.
0: Well, you know, and it seems to me too, from an academic standpoint, you get that year to make sure you're in the groove Mm -hmm. with the school thing. Mm -hmm. And then, then, you know, you turn turn up the juice in that second year, probably that second summer. Uh, You know, I know you guys seem to wind up learning a lot of the the receiver positions you got the split guys the wide guys exactly. the slot guys kind of like our db's learn multiple positions exactly. if you had your choice of one specific spot of those to play which one would it be
1: well of course everybody wants to play that x spot the x, the x spot is uh that's pretty much the go to guy um he's out there on the island by himself uh, you know he's he's got the opportunity to make plays but um what made me more valuable was I was the type of guy that went out there and tried to learn every position possible I played X, Y, H, and Z, which is all four positions on uh And that's off, offense. that would be
0: wide positions. Yes, or s- wide or slot.
1: Wide or slot. And uh, one thing as well, um, I had a good relationship with Coach Williams, Bobby Williams. And uh, I told him, I said, hey, you know, I'm not getting too much playing time on offense. Let me jump on some special teams and prove that I can be out here. So I really wasn't that big play guy, but I knew my role. I knew I was an important piece of the puzzle. So uh, by being on kickoff, kickoff return, punt return, and on offense, you know, playing 20, 30 snaps uh, last year. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. I saw a lot of playing time and uh, experienced a lot of time on that field.
0: Hey, special teams are so important. And, and as we just saw again what just a few days ago in Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, the, that game turned two or three times on huge special team plays. Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, the whole momentum of the game can shift. Field position flips. Uh, the whole tenor of the thing is it's amazing you know having gone through the process as a receiver what advice would you give a guy that's just coming in you know as far as these like these freshmen as far as making the most of the opportunities that present themselves and gaining the trust of the coaches so they feel like they're in a position to put you out
1: there a few things that I would say is just to be patient you know your time is going to come everybody wants to go out there and make that big play um to be honest, there's not a lot of Julio Jones. There's not a lot of Amari Coopers. There's not a lot of Christian Jones, guys like that that played as freshmen. But um, as another thing that I would tell them is take after guys who are doing the right things on and off the field. You know, you got your great athletes. Um, for example, uh, Kenny Bell. You know, Kenny Bell, he's 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 one of my really, really good friends. And he's taken time to understand that, you know, my time will come. And he's become a great player Sorry for that injury that he just had, but he's come a great player, and it took him a little while to understand that you know his time was going to come. And I just had to tell him he has to be patient, and the rewards will come later on.
0: Well, I tell you what, he's made some big plays and big games. Yes, sir. I mean, he's got had the whole country looking at him. And by the way, uh, we've got a Bama Talk Facebook page, mm-hmm. and we post a lot of pictures of the team and the guys and information, just various stuff on it. One of the first things we ever posted was a picture of Kenny catching a pass Mm -hmm. right after he got the injury two or three weeks ago. And it was one of the most viewed pictures in the history of the page evidently kenny's got an awful lot of good friends and be sure and tell him we're pulling for him and yes sir uh just a great kid and um love watching him play now how many has he he's got one more year of eligibility left
1: i think he does have another year um him and kevin norwood now if you let me talk about kevin norwood uh it. i'll do that as well kevin's a special kid you know um he really didn't jump on the scene until LSU game the national championship game where he had to fill in for Marquise Mays
0: and I'm telling you what number seven still can't cover him
1: exactly exactly <laughs> but um Kevin's a, a guy who's big he's physical he's fast he's long got, he's got great hands you know and he's he's a type of guy that I kind of look at as being like me you know um as far as mentally you know he he goes in the weight room he works hard he's he's finishing those sprints first and uh he he wants to you know get the job done in school. He actually just graduated as well, and Kenny Bell did too. Wow, that's um, great. I talked to Kevin, you know, every now and then, probably once or twice a week, and uh, before the LSU game, I told him, I said, your your, your number will be called again. And I said, keep working hard, keep going out there, grinding every day in practice. He said, I'm trying. And I said, don't try it. And I said, be like Nike and just do it, you know. (laughs) And uh, as you can remember, in that LSU game, that last drive, Kevin Norwood had three catches, I think first down catches, and that was the big turning point in the game. You know, we went and won the game with uh, that screen to TJ Yeldon. But I told him after the game, I said, "I love you, man." I know, I told you that your time would come, and you 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 came through.
0: LSU fans got to be having nightmares about him because I tell you what, the the championship game last year in New Orleans, I mean, you couldn't stop him.
1: Exactly, he he
0: looked like an NFL receiver out there, and he
1: will be a great NFL receiver, and, and
0: Tyrant Matthew. Couldn't even. He was outmatched. <laughs> he he could not cover him. Yes, couldn't sir. handle him. Uh, Kevin had the, the biggest game in his career so far. In the biggest game of his career so far,
1: that kid's got ice water in his veins. And man. then he, goes he,
0: down to Baton Rouge this year and just takes over on the last exactly, drive. Exactly, exactly. And that's awesome, awesome. You know, you rarely see our guys looking confused or like they're not sure where to line up or what to do because you see that on TV. Especially with everybody trying to go so fast these days. It looks like a fire drill out there sometimes. Mm-hmm. But obviously getting a lot of reps helps. But what is it about the way the coaches coach and get you guys prepared that, that we don't see a lot of that with our guys? Our guys look like they know where the line up, they know where to be, they know what to do.
1: Well, I'm going to say five words. Discipline, commitment, effort, toughness, and pride. And notice that I said discipline first. Uh, we, that's just five things that we live by at that university, especially in football. And uh, Coach Staven has instilled us since '07 with that. And uh, Coach Cochran screams it every single day. Loud. Loudly, you know. But uh, I, I really do love uh, Coach Cochran. He's a great guy. He's a great mentor. He'll sit down and talk to you about anything. It doesn't have to do with football. It can be about life. It could be about one of his four or five kids that he has. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, disciplined. Um, Coach Saban has taught us a lot, and uh, discipline is the most important thing that you can uh, that you can have because you you got to deal with all the different things that you're dealing with on the field, off the field, and uh, as well as in the classroom. And uh, he always says. You know, you want to do the right things when no one is watching. That's important to your character and in in discipline.
0: Yeah, you know the the deal is, you know, a lot of you've heard over the years that football builds character. It doesn't mm-hmm. really it reveals character. Mm-hmm. Any any of the tough things we go to reveal it. You know, and, and I, that, that's interesting to hear you say that. Uh, and and another thing, uh, you know, when people hear the word discipline too, they tend to think in terms of punishment or of, or of being punitive in nature. Mm-hmm. A, a disciple is one who follows mm-hmm. a path, a plan, or like we like to say, a process. Exactly. And staying on that process and staying with that plan, and, and the results of it. And although Coach Saban will talk about not being result oriented, but mm-hmm. the results of staying on that plan and in that in that disciplined process are very evident. Because again, we we just won our 60th game in five years. That's the first time the University of Alabama has ever done that in the 120 years we've been playing football. That's impressive. That's amazing. It's impressive. 60 wins in five years. That's averaging 12 wins a year for yes. the last five years. Most people don't even play more than 12 games. Exactly. Amazing, amazing stuff. Hey, you caught the game-winning TD pass from AJ in the 2010 A Day game, you didn't think I remembered that, did you? And you're both from Mobile. That had to be pretty cool, huh?
1: Yes, sir. Uh, that was back in the glory days, man. But uh, one thing that I was just trying to do was just make a play. You know, you see, you see yourself at night. You know, when you're when you're dreaming, when before your bed, you go to bed. You 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 want to make those big plays, and you see it. And that's another big thing about me. I'm I'm a big firm believer if you know, a vision. You know, not just seeing, you know, everyday things that happen, but, you know, designing a plan for the future. Big picture. Yes, sir. And the only way to predict the future is to create it. That's what I really believe. And, um, you know, dealing with A.J. in that game and uh, um, we were actually I think A.J. was a backup then. And I was one of the backups we We're on the second team offense. And uh, he just said, go make a play. He said, I'm going to throw it out there, just go make a play. And I take off down the field as fast as I can, and my eyes are big as baseballs when that ball came. And I think uh, D. Milner was guarding me on that play. But, um, so it, there it, was some competition it was, going on. Def, a Day is always the biggest competition because who wants to eat beanies and weenies or whatever <laughs> yeah. it's called? You know, the baked beans. We wanted that steak that year. We ended up getting it. So that was a fun time.
0: Yeah, bragging rights always, mean yes, Something, come on. Yes, you sir. know, in, speaking of spring game, you won the Jerry Duncan I Like to Practice Award in the spring of 2011. Yes, sir. Now, to all those guys, the coaches saw your enthusiasm and gave you credit for it. What was the mindset that led you to get to the, that kind of place where you were getting? that kind of positive recognition.
1: Well, Coach Saban and all those other coaches demanded respect. And not through the things that they were saying, but you know, the commitment that they make every day by showing up to the complex two and three hours before we actually did or them being there two or three hours after we got there. But um, also I talk a lot about Coach Grow. I love the man. Uh, he's been the greatest coach that I've you know probably been around personally as a position coach. But um, I respected him and I wanted him to believe in me and to count on me. I wanted to become accountable. You know, that's one of those things where I talked about learning all four positions so when somebody couldn't go, after I got done taking my reps, I was taking other people's reps, whether Marquise Mays was hurt, Darius Hanks was hurt, or even Julio was hurt or something like that. You know, they knew that they could depend on me because I was one of the in-shape guys, you know, that could go the entire practice, not trying to brag or boast, but you know, I prided myself with that. I went in that weight room. I worked hard. And, you know, it was exciting and fulfilling to line up during a sprint and somebody come and be like, no, I don't want to run next to Brandon. Not that I was the fastest guy, but they knew I was going to give it my all on every rep. You know, so that that's one thing that I really took serious. And uh, practice, if you practice hard, it was easy in the games. And I understood that. You know, I like I said, I was on kickoff, kickoff return, punt return, and on offense. I had to be in really good shape, and I had to be used to doing that for 60 minutes a game. So I'd practice my bottom off and go out there and be able to play hard.
0: You know, you and you were very good at special teams. Yes, uh, in fact, you were named Special Teams Player of the Week Uh, more than once, Mm -hmm. uh, returned to block, punt for a TD, recovered fumbles, returned to punt for a TD at one point. That's a lot of action and a lot of plays like you were just talking about and and a lot of sprinting. Yes, sir. And and a lot of points for anybody on Mm -hmm. special teams. Do you feel like you had a natural affinity for
1: those type of plays? Well, honestly, like I said before, um, talking to Coach Williams and getting a relationship with him – I wanted to create more opportunities for myself you know um not to be selfish or anything like that but i wanted to play you, you i wanted to play. have fun you know that's why i came to university of alabama to get a degree and 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 go out there and play football so as hard as people worked on offense, on whether they were the running back, the, the wide receiver or the quarterback, I was doing the same on the special teams. And that's, you know, some advice that I get to those young guys. You know, if you're trying to get on the field, prove that you can play special teams because, and this is the number one thing that Coach Saban told me personally was, you know, if you're not the starting guy, the one, number one or number two guy in the NFL, if you're the third guy, you're playing special teams. And it's like 53 people on a roster in NFL. So, like I said, I was trying to create opportunities. You know, if if an NFL scout looked at me and said, hey, he's not the greatest receiver. He doesn't have the biggest plays on offense, but he's down there making tackles on kickoff. We might need this guy. So that, that goes a long way.
0: You know, the mental, psychological part of conditioning is huge, too. As mm-hmm. uh, strenuous as the physical part of the strength and conditioning program is at Bama, uh, how did making it through that affect the way you felt mentally and psychologically in games, especially late, like in the fourth quarter?
1: Yes, sir. well, I, I really believe that you know the brain is the strongest muscle in our body because it plays it it plays games with you. you know, sometimes if you really feel that you can't go anymore, but if you're telling yourself you can't you can, somehow you find a way to go another rep you, you 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 can run another sprint or something like that and i always tell guys that you know work out with me that i'm working out with right now you know uh i still do a little bit around the house um don't lift too much heavy weights but for example my brother uh my brother is actually six years older than me uh been like a father figure my entire life i love him to death wouldn't do anything without him so um I had him one time doing some push-ups with me and uh, trying to get him back in shape. And, you know, he was like, I can't go anymore. I can't go anymore. I was like, well, what are you telling yourself? You're telling yourself you can't go anymore. What if you flip that around and start telling yourself that you can? Just like the little engine that could. He's like, I think I can. I think I can. And it it, it can happen, you know. So um, he actually ended up getting more and more push-ups. But, you know, he kind of realized that, hey, If I change my whole attitude about what I'm doing, I can do better. And that happens with everything in life. So uh, if people would take that advice and stop thinking negatively and think more positive before they go into it, whether it's a test, your job, you know, doing stuff every day, then you'll you'll be surprised the the outcome that you'll have.
0: You know, it's pretty clear. Coach Saban's program starts and stops with what goes on in your head. Exactly. It really exactly. Does. Hey, you know, uh, talking about game day, the walk of champions. It's a relatively new part of the game day experience at Bryant Denny since it just started in 06 when we did the expansion of the plaza and everything. Yes, sir. The team used to come into the stadium at the other end mm-hmm. on um uh. I know the players got to love Walker champions. What was game day like for you at home games? And what were your favorite parts of it?
1: Man, you're going to make me tear up in here (laughs) because I miss it so much. But um, I'm I'm loving the fact that I had the opportunity to talk about it because um, Friday nights, you know, that was uh, the, the biggest struggle because we would have to stay in the hotel and just that anticipation. Nobody was really thinking about going out or anything like that. We knew we had a job to do. But just the waiting, you know, we loved those eleven o'clock games, those two o'clock games. We couldn't stand to wait around till seven, to eight p.m., Ugh. which we always played in those games. But um, game day was it was very special. It was very special. We stayed at the uh, hotel Capstone right there on Bryant Drive, yep. and you know, we would have people coming through wanting autographs, have kids wanting to take pictures, and it, it it's fulfilling. You you feel really good to be a part of the uh, program. But um, hopping on that bus, man, you know, you got your earphones in and you listen to your favorite song. And, you know, just to be able to go down university and see all the people surrounding the buses. It's amazing. See it? people cheering for you, clapping for you. I mean, every different type of person that you can think of Absolutely. is an Alabama fan, you know. And so getting off that bus, you just have this great feeling of, hey, two hours away about to be game time so it, it, it's definitely a good feeling and i miss it every yeah every when you pull up day. to the
0: plaza and those buses pull in there right the little thing on university boulevard and and you get off the bus and walking up that thing toward the stadium, man. That's a great scene. Man, it's a
1: great feeling. who getting chills gracious. now thinking about it. Oh
0: man, it, you know, and you guys usually played so well on the road, and they they still do. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we almost play better on the road, and yeah. maybe it's just because of the circumstances. You're kind of up against it and all that, but anywhere they anywhere we go, they mm-hmm. want to beat Bama bad. Exactly. You can see it, you can smell it, you yeah. can sense it. How cool was it to do road tripping with the team? It
1: was fun. It was fun. Um, I was actually pretty thankful that uh, we have the the resources that we do have with, with traveling by flight to almost every single game except for Auburn and Mississippi State. But, um, you know, it, it was a lot of fun to step into somebody else's uh, home. Um, one thing that, you know, I really have a great memory about was going to South Carolina back in 2010. It was a different feeling. Um, we stepped in, you know. Uh, we were number one going into mm-hmm. that place, and you know, uh, it's we, a tough day. ESPN had us upset alert and all that, and and it really felt that way. I don't know why, uh, but it was no structure when it came to getting off the bus and getting into the locker room. Every every other team that we played, they had place cleared out for us to go straight into the locker room. Nobody could touch us, see us, or anything like that but for some reason on this day there was no structure we were you know getting through the crowd and people were grabbing on us pulling on us and 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 booing and screaming and it just had a different feeling about that place but we were still mentally ready to play it's just something was there that day that allowed them to play the best game that they've ever played
0: oh in the history of the program
1: exactly and uh you know, it, it was a fun time. You know, we made big plays, but we end up uh, slipping up and getting beat that day. I will never, I will never say that. You know, we did this and we did that. I think that they showed up and they beat us. You know, so it was. It's it's, it's always a fun experience going to to different places, but that time you remember for the rest of your life.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's it's similar to the A and M thing this year, and uh, the last few years. When we do get beat, mm-hmm. you usually wind up hearing it because it's somebody played the best game they've ever played. I think, and that's, that's the what truth. it takes, <laughs> and that's just about what it takes. Yes, yeah, so. And if Notre Dame beats us, they're gonna have to earn every point of it. Exactly. Now, I don't exactly. know how that's gonna go, but they're not just gonna roll it out there and and uh, and cruise to an easy win. That's yeah. For sure. One
1: thing I'll point out, um, you know, most people didn't think that this would be the year for us. You know, they thought, oh, this is the rebuilding year, and uh, the guys are too young, but. One thing that most people don't know about our young guys, if they hadn't paid attention, is they keep playing. Because in that Georgia game, nothing seemed to wanted to go our way for a while. You know, it's hard to continue to play through that. You hey, know? we're down
0: twenty-one to ten with six and a half minutes left in the in the third quarter, and they got the momentum.
1: Exactly, but exactly. we outscored
0: them twenty-two to se- uh, twenty-two to seven. The rest of the way. Exactly. You know?
1: It, it tells a lot about the team.
0: And by the way, that was not a dirty hit on Aaron Murray. <laughs> Your last Iron Bowl was a 42-14 to 14 blowout down there. Uh, and, of course, their offense didn't even score. They yeah. had a kickoff return and recovered a fumble. Yeah. Uh, so that could have very easily been a 42 to nothing game. Yes, sir. What was it like on the field that day? How Man. much fun was that? Tell Senior me all year about playing
1: it. playing Auburn at their place. Because I was there. Only thing would have been sweeter was was playing my last game in Tuscaloosa against Auburn. But you know it still meant a lot. I have a lot of friends who graduated from Auburn. Um, one of my best friends was actually a cheerleader that uh, uh, was at Auburn at the same time I was, you know, here at Alabama. But um, that day it was it was definitely something special. We had something to prove. Uh, that ra- that rivalry is always you know something big, whether. We're one in ten or three and seven or whatever else whatever the records are. It's still gonna be a
0: it's a one game season. Exactly,
1: exactly. But um start off that game, I had two catches, uh, the first drive and I was thinking, man, it's gonna be a big day. But uh it ended up being a pretty fun time. You know, we got a big win. Kenny Bell made a big play. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, on the and, flea flicker. Uh, yes, sir, yes sir. And AJ had a great game and our, our defense stepped up. But um, that's another thing to point out. Uh, special teams, you know, they had that kickoff return. I think his name is McCaleb. Uh, was the guy, last name McCaleb. Yeah. Man, you talking about a kid that's fast. He he literally, like, he zooms by everybody.
0: Yeah, he's so fast he helped him win three games this year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it was probably all because of him too but uh he uh he's definitely a special kid i don't know the guy i've never met him or talked oh, he to him my entire life but one thing that he that's that he does do runs fast you know i can see him probably walking around every day walking just as fast i mean dante hightower said that the same thing i mean he getting around that corner he's blazing speed man
0: hey, you know in your last game we avenged the only loss of that year by shutting out LSU down there in New Orleans and won the second national championship in your career at Alabama. Tell us what that night was like for you.
1: Man, um, to relive it, uh, it means a lot to me because, you know, my my dreams and goals were to, to win the national championship my senior season and to score a touchdown. Now, One thing that did happen in that game, I really did get close. Uh, I remember catching that ball and coming down with it, and Eric Reed put a nice lick on me, and I couldn't hold on to the ball. But a lot of things that happened during that play, you know, I I can go through it step by step, but I'll speed it up. I end up getting a concussion. That's the final result. Didn't play the rest of the game, but uh, got on the sideline and – I didn't know my birthday. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what day it was. That's just the seriousness about concussions. Mm. But um, overall, the whole aspect of being in New Orleans, playing uh, LSU again—I mean, you really can't even describe the feeling because I saw pictures that I really didn't even remember me taking after that game, and just the excitement on my face, man—just the big smile, you know, being with my teammates, just just knowing that. We have restored the order. That's what Coach McElwain had always said. And uh, just to go ahead and get that victory for Coach Saban, for the University of Alabama, for Tuscaloosa, after what happened with the tornadoes, it meant the world to me. So much. It meant the world to me.
0: You know, I'm guessing you stay in touch with guys on the team, like you mentioned earlier. What kind of vibe are you getting about the, uh, the game we're coming up so far?
1: They're ready, you know. But one thing that Coach Saban always told us was, you know, don't get too emotional right now. You know, I think they have about, what, three weeks oh, yeah. until the game starts. Uh, Coach Saban is a pretty good game manager, I would say, and he, he does well in practice. He knows exactly what he's doing in bowl season. So the process from getting to from right now until the day before that game, it's, it's really important because you can over-practice, you can overrun, you can over-train. You don't want to do those things. You want to do everything right. Now –
0: you going to save your bullets for the war.
1: Exactly, exactly. Now I still live in Tuscaloosa. I travel back and forth uh, between here and uh, Tuscaloosa, and uh, you know I see those guys on a regular basis, and they're they're definitely ready, you know. But they're being patient. They're calm and collective. They'll actually start up practice tomorrow, and uh, they got they got a lot to prove. They you know, I would to think
0: prove. too. There's a lot of comfort you can take in that he does have such a. Well orchestrated regimen, the guys to be in as far as weightlifting and workouts and flexibility. There's always going to be something to do, so there's not really going to be any dead time. Mm-hmm. But but he knows enough to know that you know you can't peak for a game in th- that's in three weeks. Yes, this sir. week, you know, hey, you did such an incredible job of taking advantage of the opportunities you had at the university. If you were talking to a high school prospect right now that didn't know what he wanted to do or where he wanted to go, what would you tell him?
1: I'd tell him that the University of Alabama is a great school, you know, um, great academics, great football team, great sports overall, but you still have to go with your heart. Now, if Alabama is not the place for you, you will know. But the thing that they have to think about is, you know, it's all about them. You know, Um, don't listen. You can listen to advice from your, your parents, your coaches, you know, but don't let somebody steer you in the wrong direction that you really don't feel like you need to go. Now, also, you know, saying that, I made my decision on the rest of my life, not the next four or five years of my life, because, you know, you're going to play football in college four or five years. Now, say you're lucky enough to be that w- top 1% of your football team who goes to NFL. There's no guarantees that you stay in the NFL three to five years. I think the average career is like two and a half now. And you got to think about what are you going to do after that? You know, so it's hard for a 17, 18 year old kid to think about that. And I think that there needs to be some sort of education for it. But one thing that I would tell him is think about the rest of your life, not the next four or five years of your life.
0: You know, like we mentioned earlier, you came into the program the same year as Coach Saban. You guys worked your way back up to the top where Bama has been historically so many times over the last Hundred years. Mm-hmm. You've won team awards, earned two degrees. You never lost to Tennessee, played in Iron Bowl <laughs> blowouts, won SEC championships, won two national championships, made friendships that'll last a lifetime. What was it like in that last locker room in New Orleans when you knew you're taking off that uniform for the last
1: time? Hurt, but at the same time, there was excitement. There was, you know, a good attitude of I did what I came here to do. You know, I have no regrets. Of course, you know, over the past five years, you're going to have your bad days. But our good days, you know, stood above those bad days. And, you know, I was I was satisfied. You know, a good
0: day at Bama is a really good day.
1: Exactly. You know, I don't have any regrets, like I said. And I created memories that I'll have for the rest of my life. I gained relationships. I got smarter. You know, I played on, on two national championship teams. Uh, an SEC championship team. I mean, I won, I think, 48 games with my team. And, man, it it was definitely something special. And uh, I think, you know, my resume... Uh, you know, got a little bit better after being at the University of Alabama.
0: Well, number 11, it's been a pleasure having you with us today, man. We're going to have to call you to have you back sometime, okay?
1: I'd love to. Thank hey, you if anybody wants
0: me. to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that?
1: Um, you can reach me on my email address. You know, uh, that's bfgibson11 at gmail.com or my Facebook page and I also have a Twitter and that's at gibson 11
0: Hey, before we get out of here, we want to remind you that if you want to win the retirement game, you've got to have a winning game plan and let's face it, most of us don't have a good retirement planning playbook yet. If you need to know more about building a better financial future for yourself and your family, go to annuitiesalabama.com today. You'll see that they can help you with strategies that are safe and smart that'll get you across that retirement goal line but the play clock running and successful people don't procrastinate. So give it the priority you and your family deserve now and call a play today. That's annuitiesalabama.com. Hey, we're having a lot of fun with our Alabama Talk Facebook page and we want to remind you to make a point to pop in because we're posting pics and news you'll want to peruse. If you see something you like, it's there to share. So help yourself. And if you enjoy the page, we hope you'll hit that like button and let us know about it. Hey, don't forget that these downloads are free. Not only that, but when you hit the subscribe button, it saves and stores every show so you can listen to any show anytime you like. We know there are Bama fans all over the place, and we want to ask you to tell your friends about us. The easiest way to let them know is just email or text our address at bigbrainsmedia.com. And of course, you can also find us in the podcast section of iTunes or Stitcher. If you don't already have iTunes set up, Take time to do that. You'll be glad you did. There's a lot of good stuff there. Now, there's also a free podcast app available for your smartphone or mobile device so you can take us with you and listen while you're driving, maybe as an alternative to sports talk radio, especially if the regular callers tend to make you wonder how they manage to get good cell service in a padded room and who'd want to get close enough to hold the phone for them so they can talk while they're wearing a straight jacket. Now, we don't take calls because we feel like one fool's enough, and I've got that covered. But if you'd like to chime in, just type in steve at bamatalkshow.com and hit send. We'd love to hear from you. We're really enjoying bringing Bama Talk to you, and we appreciate your taking time to listen. We hope you and your family are safe and well and making your way through a very Merry Christmas season. We'll have another Bama Talk Show episode posted again real soon, so be sure and stay tuned. For Mark Phillips and James Spann and all of us here at Big Range Media, this is Steve Sample saying, Till next time, take care, have
1: a blessed day, and roll tide.